Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, Christy. Proud mother of a new puppy. Uh, Yes, little girl. Who may or may not be contributing to this episode of A Little Wiser. <laughs> yes. She's currently sitting next to me on the couch with a little bone that I will, I hope will hold our attention, but TBD. I'll see if And that her happens. name is Holly. So everyone send, yes. send a welcome to the world to Holly. Yes. Holly June Miller-Peterson. <laughs> Got to get the full name in. Everyone had to have a say. So beyond puppy love, mm-hmm. we are here for to break down last week's episode. Great. Okay. So last week you interviewed Paul Gilmartin. He's a comedian, so funny, an actor about his mental health journey from sickness to well-being using humor, honesty, and some serious, serious vulnerability with a capital V. Um, so here's what I want to talk to you about. How do we learn to be vulnerable? Brittany Brown tells me I need to be vulnerable. Paul Gilmartin said that his best piece of advice he's ever received. And so I'm wondering, Kimmy, as a person who's had to tackle this straight on recently by, among other things, sharing your own mental health journey, how did you learn to be vulnerable? How can I learn to be more vulnerable? <laughs> um, well, I was forced into it <laughs> by my producer, Erica. And then go, Erica. One- Yes. Erica forced me into do it. She's like, if you're going to interview people on this podcast and ask them to talk about really hard shit, you need to talk about yours. Mm -hmm. And I agreed because that was a very fair point to make. Mm -hmm. And I would say that I've continued to do it and push myself to share more and more and will continue to do so because the payoff is there. At least for me, it's there. I don't I don't necessarily think that everyone needs to be vulnerable. And Chrissy, this is something that you and I have talked about because mm-hmm. it isn't necessarily right for everyone. But for me, it's been cathartic and healing on a personal level. It's allowed me to be a lot less ashamed of the pieces of myself I used to deem shameful. Mm. And it just, yeah, it sort of lightens the load. And then it allows you to just, I think, for me, just live with more truthfulness of all the aspects of me, the, mm-hmm. the, the more, you know, it's just kind of, I am who I am. And there was this piece of me that used to feel dark and shameful and it feels a lot less so after sharing it. Yeah. So I wonder, is, do you think that there's a connection between holding a secret or like a really hard truth and a willingness to be vulnerable? A connection? Well, I just, I was thinking like about- you have to have it. you have to have a dark secret? I'm wondering, I'm just wondering if there's, or there's something that feels big and hard that that is a gateway to vulnerability. So this made a lot of sense to me. When I, whatever, did my bipolar episode years ago, obviously I got a lot of texts and emails because people didn't know that about me. And I shared something that was significant about my life. So you would imagine, you know, good friends would reach out. 
So a fair amount of my friends who are gay and lesbian, like their texts were just like super short, like congrats. And I'm like, mm. what? <laughs> like, mm. Other mm-hmm. people were like, I'm here for you. Do you ever need to talk? <laughs> they were like, totally. They were like, congrats, like yeah. a heart emoji. I'm like, what? And when I talked to a couple of them, they the, the way they equated me sharing myself, which goes to vulnerability and secrets, is they look back and when they came out about their truth they were hiding, right, which was mm-hmm. their sexuality, how liberating that was. Like what a shift for, it, for mm. them to live being fully seen. So they almost saw it as like, I remember how freeing that was. You must feel super free. Congratulations. And it was... Ah, that's so, so fascinating. So for those people who have had the experience of sharing something that they had held for a long time, it was freedom and liberation and excitement and heart emojis. And for other people, it was like, oh, this must be really hard. How are you? Do you need yes. some support? Oh, that's fascinating. Yes. Like, do you do you need chicken soup deliveries? <laughs> like, are you under your covers? And other yes. people were like, congrats, girl. Yes. I'm like, what? And then that's that really clicked when mm. – when, so th- maybe that answers your questions about secrets and sharing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's a great perspective. I just – I know so often, and I, I've said it myself, how important it is to be vulnerable, to open up, to connect authentically, and yet I find it really difficult. And sometimes – I'm like, well, how does one learn to be more vulnerable? And the reason that we're diving into vulnerability and, you know, for everyone who listened to Paul's episode is the guy is like just oozing vulnerability. And Chrissy, I was telling you this, his show, Mental Illness Happy Hour, has been around for, I think, over 10 years. And it's we have to remind ourselves that 10 years ago, vulnerability wasn't a quote unquote thing and people Mm -hmm. weren't talking openly about mental health. And as your husband, Greg, has said before, like, are people really talking about mental health Mm -hmm. or are we sort of like skirting on the surface? And he was really, Really? yes, I believe it. (laughs) Really, you know, that, that I think is, is what sparked you asking those questions because he's just like, a living, breathing, walking ball of mental health vulnerability. Yeah, I was really, I mean, the interview is fascinating. It's interesting and he's funny. And he sh- he shares some very vulnerable truths about his relationship with his mom, about his own relationships with women through the years. And I just really, honestly, I was like, kudos to him. That's really impressive. It's, it's um, fascinating to listen to. And I don't know that I could ever step into that space. I, I couldn't do it at the level he did. I mean, does. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I I don't think I could. So maybe there's a spectrum of vulnerability yeah. for all of us. And you, Paul, and um, myself are all a different. <laughs> but I do believe in it. So let me just say that at the outset. The reason I asked this question at the beginning is how do you learn to be vulnerable is that I want that for myself. So that's what just caused me to really ponder that thought of how do you learn to be vulnerable? What have you done? So, um, okay. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about is this connection between mental health and what I'll call genius or those creative spurts or hypomania. Um, I think he even used the word delightful hype, a phase of delightful hypomania. And so mm-hmm. I was just wondering, is, is it glorifying mental illness to see the positive positivity in it? Or is it an important part of the process to see the benefits or the upside of a mental illness. So what do you think? Well, I think, first of all, there has to be a dis- 
disclaimer, and I've learned this from people listening and my talking about this in the past. So I think two things can be true, that something can be incredibly hard, painful, difficult, and that there can also be gifts and growth and strengths that are born out of that experience or that thing, if that makes sense. So I think where you can risk glossing over it or glamorizing it is just to focus on the one without honoring the really hard pieces. But I think that that in their complexity, they both are part of the equation, or at least that is my unique experience. And I think Paul has that shared experience, right? And in particular, he's talking about hypomania. When how many? How much money did he spend on domains? Thirty five thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and the domain names he bought are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, genius. Mm-hmm. I can't repeat them because I know. I was wondering what you were going to do about the. Do you do some? He uses some colorful language. Is that he the word sure for does. it? Yes, he sure does. Which I appreciate. I actually really appreciate it. It makes him feel even more authentic and funny. Um, but I know that some people have a different um, uh, opinion about uh, the language. Yes, yes. Yes. No, I thought that. And I'm sure there are people who'd be like, why would she leave that in? That's offensive. But that is somewhat who Paul Gilmartin is and mm-hmm. his show is. So I felt like letting him be him was important. So I think when it comes to hypomania and what that can lead to is boundless energy. Your brain is full of ideas and sort of you have these surges in creativity. You often need less time to sleep. So if you think of that kind of trifecta, right? Boundless Mm -hmm. energy, less need for sleep, brain never shutting down. Creativity, energy. Creativity and big Mm -hmm. idea. And that can either go horribly wrong or it can be really productive in generating creative ideas that you're moving so quickly that you're executing on. So I think that's where, that's the space you're talking about. Is that right? Yes, exactly that. So when some people describe their episodes of hypomania, yeah, it sounds like these incredibly creative, energetic bursts of energy where really magical stuff happens. And I think to your point, it's not black and white. It also can go the opposite direction. Um, where it's not magical things that happen. So what do for what's your experience with it like? What are your periods of hypomania? What have they looked like for you? And how have you navigated that? Well, if you're open to sharing, if you're open to being vulnerable. <laughs> not like Paul Gilmartin, <laughs> but I'll do my style of okay. it. Okay. Um, so I, yes, I think I, I will... I can catch myself realizing like it's almost like the pace at which I'm moving and thinking and speaking. Like I feel myself feeling like the the pace of it is starting to feel out of control. Like I have an awareness around it now. You're like, this idea is so good and so big and I don't, you know, care mm. that there's 40 people. I'm going to stand up and share it. And so part of that is comes across as charismatic, confident, full of big ideas, and that can be rewarded, as we Mm -hmm. know. There's lots of jokes over the years about my whiteboarding, (laughs) and I've often felt that my whiteboarding is a reflection of how much is going on in my brain. I mean, you've said that my 
it looks like graffiti, right? Mm -hmm. So I do feel like in mania, I'll write in notebooks or I'll whiteboard ideas and then go back and look like weeks or months later and being like, okay, that kind of looks like the mind of a crazy person. Mm. (laughs) Or somebody who's having a creative burst of energy and just getting all of their ideas and thoughts down. I mean, I yes. feel, you know, yes. there's, yes. it's, that would be, that would be a reframe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and saying us. crazy person is for sure a hundred percent not yes. correct language, but mm-hmm. it's just speaking sure how I talk to myself in that yeah. moment. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. A big part of this podcast is sharing, people sharing stories where they have really grown as a result of trauma or really difficult experiences is this idea of post-traumatic growth. Do you think, I'm really curious about this, whether looking at the benefits or the upsides that come with your mental illness has helped you to choose growth in the process, or is that part of your, I don't want to say healing journey, but the way that you relate to your own diagnosis? Yes, because I, so many people on the pod, it's sort of the point and the premise of the whole thing is that people are making meaning out of things that have been hard, painful. Mm -hmm. People are making meaning out of periods of suffering in their life, whatever that looks like, whether it's an event that happened. Also, you know, you know the types of stories we share on this podcast and they're finding, they're discovering things about themselves, like strengths they never knew they had. And so I think that whether it's our mental health or something else that has caused periods of pain or suffering or struggle, it's worth dissecting it and looking at all of the pieces. Like people often say that cancer was their greatest teacher. It taught them a lot about themselves, right? Mm -hmm. What they prioritize, their fortitude, their perspective on their life and ability to slow down. Nobody wants to have cancer. It's awful, But somebody can go through that experience and perhaps come out with with new wisdom, with new lessons, and grown emotionally, you know, as a person, spiritually as a person, whatever that looks like for them. So I think that is the point of reflection, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, of course. So taking the time to think through your own experience and your own your with your own diagnosis and seeing both the challenges and I'd say the benefits, but some of the positive things that can come from it is a great way for you, it sounds like, for you to relate to it in a more positive way. Correct. So do you think when you talk about it, how do you think it's received by society or our culture to be talking about kind of the upsides of mental illness? Um, I think we're doing a lot of more talking about um, mental illness and and to varying degrees, like, are we really talking about it? Or are we just, um, but I, I think we're absolutely moving in the right direction. But this, this is a sort of different way of looking at it in my mind to say, you don't want to glorify something that's an, an illness. But also, it seems to me, and I'm learning from this conversation, that it's important also to recognize that the positive parts of that. So what do you think? How do you think our world right now is relating to mental illness and seeing the upside of it? Well, it's, you know, you have a degree in positive psychology and we've talked about, you obviously see the language around about toxic positivity. Mm -hmm. And I think that is where it becomes a little 
fraud or mm. landminey to even have sure. this conversation. Um, and it goes back to everything being on the spectrum to the person right now who just got out of, you know, inpatient sure. weeks or months of, of inpatient treatment for their mental health probably doesn't want to hear about the benefits of creativity <laughs> and pro- productivity. I'm guessing. Sure. Right? Sure. Of course. Um, There's nuance it, with everything. Nothing is linear. Nothing is black or white. For sure. I get that piece. Yeah. So I think you you have to honor, A, that there's a spectrum and people in this illness are all over that spectrum, varying points. And that B, we're just talking about one facet or one piece. So what does society say? I'm not sure it, there's that much conversation about this piece of it. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Even trying to think of what would be the best way to ask the question was a little bit tricky to say what's the upside of bipolar felt like um, probably to your point, it's because you want to be careful that we're not glorifying or saying these, there's these really incredible benefits to something that's really very challenging. I don't want to say what's good, but, but having a perspective or looking at it grounded in real, grounded in realism, not in rainbows and unicorns. And I'm suddenly going to become some creative genius, but like grounded in reality, um, to find opportunity and difficulty is an important strategy for managing, for resilience and for managing really stressful events. So, Yeah. And Paul, you know, he does not, has not been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. It's that's right. treatment resistant depressive depression. disorder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Depression, which is why you brought it up. He has episodes of hypomania. And the other reason you brought it up is because he is an artist through and through. And he sort of talks about it in those burst of having super intense interest and honing in on some sort of creative arts to the point where he becomes a bit masterful of it. Mm -hmm. So I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, is why it sparked that curiosity in you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he was talking about um, just, again, he actually used the words delightful, periods of delightful hyponomania. And he was talking about a period after he went on a new medication. But it just got me thinking about this idea of can um, hypomania be delightful? And I assume yes. And also, I remember reading this book. I think it was Elizabeth Gilbert. I feel like that was her book. And she has a whole piece about this idea that you have to be a tortured artist is bullshit. That in order to to create really incredible works of art, writing, um, that you somehow have to be slightly tortured. I think her her message in the book was that is not the case. That's not a precursor. That can be part of the journey, certainly, but that's not a precursor or a necessary prerequisite to creating really incredible works of art. And although the question is different, that has stayed with me and made me think about just what is it? What are the qualities of people who produce really creative, incredible works of art? And it's important we try to be so thoughtful and mindful about the language we use and making sure that everybody feels really seen and heard. But that's what God's made to think about it, of how does a person with a mental health diagnosis see the, the opportunity in that difficulty? And is there benefit in doing that? Yeah, it's an illness about an imbalance in the chemistry of the brain. Right. And so there is a period in which people are not on 
there's also all sorts of other implications, right? Reckless spending mm. and grandiose thinking where people, you know, believe that they're, you know, the second coming of Jesus and, mm-hmm. you know, people risky sexual behavior, right? So it can quickly go into a manic state that is really harmful and destructive, deeply destructive and harmful to people's lives. But there is that sort of, for lack of a better word, it's not a sweet spot, but that hypomania, which produces a lot of attributes, qualities, ways of being that can be celebrated as productive. And I wouldn't argue that that's necessarily a bad space, if you will, to be living in. The risk of it is that you, you know, for some people, you could be on your way up into a territory that's dangerous, or it could be the beginning of, you know, the end of that where you're going to go down into a depression. So that's kind of why you have to be careful and celebrating that because it could just be, you know, a point on the graph that's mm-hmm. about to go in a really unhealthy direction. Sure. But that doesn't, um, if negate is the right word, the fact that there can be special things that are created in the world is a result of that space. And I, th- I do think there's a certain magic and an excitement. And, you know, I have always explained it to other people that the first time I remember experiencing sort of hypomania was I was traveling when it happened. And it was like almost like the colors were richer. It was like mm. everything felt so heightened to me. And there's a certain sense of beauty in that for sure. So it's it's fraught for sure. And it's complex for sure. Mm. Thank you for sharing your experience with it. I know that this is a difficult this is a difficult needle to thread trying to talk about sharing honestly about your own experience and what might sometimes be viewed as more enjoyable or positive aspects of it without glorifying or making it sound like it's yeah. this really wonderful yeah. thing. It's a tricky line. It's a tricky line for sure. Um I think for people who are listening to so we've been talking about your diagnosis specifically with um, bipolar or with depression. But the other thing that struck me as I was listening to the episode is, again, he speaks so openly and honestly about his life experience experience and is I was reminded of this quote and I don't, it's not like I, I do love a good quote, but this one did just come across my computer yesterday. Um, and it's from Winston Ch- Churchill and it says, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. And so I think if you're listening to the episode, what had me thinking is what is an area of my life that might be, I feel is really a difficulty and where can I see some opportunity there? And I would say his invitation is to connect with others, to share your truth, to um, open, you know, he's a big fan of support groups. So Paul, Paul's a fan of support groups or Winston Churchill? <laughs> That's funny, Kimmy. Um, Paul is a fan of support groups. So but my point is, like, if there's an area of difficulty, is there a place for on- opportunity and and taking the suggestions that Paul listed and maybe for you, like what are some things that you do or where, where do you see some opportunity in a difficulty? Well, I think um, we're here talking, but we're doing that in the hopes that people may take a small action in their life. And so I think it's putting on 
that curiosity, that hat about something in your life, and it may be your hard thing, and you think, what has this taught me about myself? Is there any gifts or growth or strength that I can see? Like, can I really look at this from all the different angles? And, or it could be looking at somebody else's thing that may be hard for you. Maybe your kid's mental health or your sister's, and you can be like, God, this has been (laughs) really gnarly to deal with. But you know what? Like, she is so compassionate and empathetic because Mm -hmm. of what, you know, seeing Mm -hmm. something in there of something you view to be really hard and difficult about somebody else. Is there something born out of that difficult piece that you can view in a more... As a strength. As yes. a Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, so you can fully see them and for all of it, right? It doesn't mean a dismissal of any of the parts that are hard or messy or painful because clearly those have to be like honored and honored first. But can you see a different perspective that's born out of that hard part. Yeah. And there's some very real benefits to doing that exercise, to really trying to um, spend some time looking at what's good here. What's the opportunity here? What can I grow? How can I be more curious about this? And I know in what you just said was looking at other people. And I think you can turn that into um, yourself and that own difficulty that you may be having. Is there opportunity for you to grow or to see it as more nuanced and more complex than just simply hard and difficult. Yes. Yes. I love that. That's my vote toward optimism since I'm continually (laughs) on the path to becoming a more optimistic person. Um, So my next goal then is I'm going to learn to be a little bit more vulnerable or to see some opportunity in being more vulnerable. Um, Then looking at what could be the upside to being more open, connecting with others, and sharing more vulnerably is a worthwhile endeavor. Yes, I love that. So he had a question. He said, is there anything you're sweeping under the rug? And I was super tempted to start with that question, by the way. (laughs) Hey, Kimmy, is there anything um, you want to share to all of your listeners that you're sweeping under the rug? And cut. Um, I feel like I've shared enough I for today. Yeah, I know. You did a great job. Thank you so much. It's always, I love it when you share about your own experiences with such honesty and openness. And you're so also so care. I have to say too, you are so careful about making sure that you share your experience and that you ground it, ground it in like it's rooted in your own experience because I think you are protective of all the other folks out there who are trying to navigate this and are having their own experience through it, their highs and their lows. So Yes. And I also want to say that I don't want to talk too much about it. I feel a little bit self-conscious that people are sick of me talking about my own mental health. So for anyone who's listening, who's raising their hand saying in their car saying, yes, that's me, please stop. Um, This podcast is not about me, but when uh, it's applicable to the story, we will sprinkle in pieces of my own journey. So I I hope so. I want to say that disclaimer. Okay. Disclaimer made. And I think that you still have a lot to um, give to the conversation, to making it more rich and complex conversation. And with that, 
I will stop talking about it as well. All right. So I and everybody, Paul Gilmartin's podcast is super fascinating. I think definitely if you are struggling with shame and secrecy around something that happened in your life that was traumatic or if you're dealing with something complex with mental health, with addiction, whether it's you or someone in your family, if you want to go over and feel not remotely alone, (laughs) head on over to Mental Illness Happy Hour and you will feel like you are not alone in the world and he will also make you laugh. So. Yeah, it's a good place to go. If, if, I do love his yeah, and I, the surveys. I feel like it's worthwhile just to to listen for the surveys. It's such a brilliant, brilliant um, explain idea. the surveys. Yeah. Oh well, from what I understand from the interview is that he puts these surveys out to the listeners, and he asks these questions that we may not otherwise ever in a million years be honest about. But I do think people should listen to it. I added it to my um, my playlist, my Apple Podcast playlist. Yes, everyone head on over and um, support Paul and his very funny, dark, honest show. All right, Christy. So we will be back next episode. Or is a two-part episode? Oh, yes. And it's a different format. It's a different format. And stay tuned. I will be filling you in, and we will be having lots of brainstorms with Holly on your lap about what we're going to dissect about this next story. She's she's such a good girl. She's sitting right here next to me. You know this little dog thing? We always had big breeds. Now we have a little breed, a little dog, and it's pretty fun. Two days in. (laughs) Two days in. All right. Go take care of that puppy. Love you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.